Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up? We're live. I had to play the Baker video today. Uh, shout out to our guy, Matt, uh, who, who linked up with me on Twitter, at SportsMattCLE for the for the dope video there. He's done a great job with that. Um, and, and you know, got to give him some love here because I, I think that sometimes it's fun to play that video, get hyped for, for what's coming. I think the Browns are at an interesting point. We're, we're talking about them every night now. You're going to hear me yapping about them, and I'm just really fascinated with the stretch they're on right now. Uh, in terms of how we kind of navigate their thoughts around the draft. We still, in my opinion, we don't have enough evidence to really make definitive claims. Pretty good idea about a lot of things, but not enough. And that's kind of what I'm talking about this week is some of the preconceived notions about positions these guys have. So I adjust this light here. It's fancy new light I got for this live broadcast. Shout out to, to Amazon for the speedy delivery of that. But um, we are going to keep looking at some of the preconceived notions and then talk about why those preconceived notions about some prospects might be wrong, right? And if the Browns end up picking these players, why it's okay that these guys end up in Cleveland. So we're going to continue doing what we branched off of last night. We're going to continue talking about it throughout the rest of the week. Uh, and I thought there's no better person to bring in than Josh Edwards, who used to write kind of with us at the OBR. He's CBS's guy. He did a lot of work with us at the OBR. He's branched over. Uh, to more on the, the the NCA side, he specifically focuses on Kentucky. Does a fantastic job, Josh. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. I've done a lot of uh, Dolphins and Jaguars radio uh, sessions this off season, so I'm finally in my comfort zone, man. I get to talk a little bit of Browns football with you, so I'm doing pretty well. Good, man. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of guys that you know you paid close attention to at Kentucky, and then uh, specifically going to talk about some mock drafts that you've done around pick 26. So. If you have not read, Jared Mueller put out an interesting article for us today on the history of pick 26, the last 10 years or so. Not great names, selected a pick 26, doesn't necessarily, well, no, doesn't mean anything about what the Browns will do, but it's just a weird omen that's hanging out. So they have big decisions to make. Some people, this is the difference. It's usually a home run type of prospect you take in the first five picks of the draft. That's where the Browns have found themselves, unfortunately, far too often. Even the top 10, you can really find great, prospects that really probably, I shouldn't say, that usually don't have glaring holes. You get to pick 26, there's definitely going to be a yeah, but situation with the prospect. There's something wrong. Either the production's not there, or the tape is spotty, or there's an injury history, or something like that when you hit pick 26. So that's the discussion that we're having this year that is completely different than any other year, built around the idea that, right, there could be a different prospect uh, that we're accustomed to talking about. So I want to talk to Josh. I think he's had some interesting uh, mock drafts. He put out uh, a mock draft just, was it last week or two weeks ago? Because I, I DM'd you about it. Was it was it just last week? Yeah, I do one every single week, but okay. uh, I think it was last week that we specifically talked about. Yeah, which you had for the first time I'd seen anybody put Jamin Davis, the linebacker, uh, in, the, in, the, in the first round, and specifically Cleveland. So I really wanted to dig in a little bit more on this guy that people have started, and really the noise started to peak uh, after his fantastic pro day. Uh, that people were starting to talk about this guy could be a first-round player. And I saw you put it out. And then I saw Daniel Jeremiah put it out today. 
which even caught my eye a little bit more because of how connected he is in NFL circles. So that's why I thought you'd be a great guy to bring on. We're going to talk about Davis in a little bit and some other Kentucky prospects I think will be of interest to the Browns. But first, I want to talk about guys you have selected with your mock drafts to Cleveland at 26. I want to give you a chance to sell me on each of these guys. So we're going to kind of start here at the beginning uh, and start with the guy who seems to be picking up a lot of steam. That's Santi Samuel Jr. Give me your thoughts on him and why he would fit in Cleveland. Yeah, I think he's just a really good fit for Joe Woods' scheme. Um, you know, a guy that's obviously got some NFL uh, pedigree with his father being such a long-established veteran in the NFL. He's, you know, really good about getting his eyes back to the quarterback and, you know, reading routes and knowing route trees and what the wide receiver is going to do. So, um, you know, with Cleveland having injury concerns over the last couple of years with uh, Denzel and Greedy, you know, not being able to stay healthy, you have to have more depth in that room. And I think Asante is a guy that can step in um, and give them a little bit of that, uh, you know, whether he's going to have to play in the slot initially or, you know, you have him on the boundary next to uh, to Denzel Ward. So I think he's a really good fit there in the first round. I should take myself off my of mute. Uh, the thing I like about Asante specifically is the durability. And when Cleveland has struggled so much with durability uh, is, is, you know, between obviously what happened with Greedy and what we know of Denzel missing 11 of 48 professional starts, it just – it's a fact of the matter. They need guys who have proven to be on the football field, and Samuel's one of them. But he can play, too. That's a big part of things. So talk to me about Greg Newsom, who's next on our list here. Yeah, and, you know, as we go through this, like, you have to keep in the back of your mind, Cleveland feels like they're just a couple of spots away from contending. I mean, you know, they make it uh, to the divisional round this, this past year with a few very pressing holes on the roster. Um, and now they've addressed some of those, and they're looking to build upon that. Um, Greg Newsom is a guy that you can trust. He's not as quit. He's not as twitched up as, um, you know, JC Horn or Caleb Farley, um, you know, but you can rely on him. He's got that, those great instincts um, and another good fit for Joe Woods' scheme. So when you're trying to build out that cornerback room, you're looking for a little bit more reliability. Um, and I think you get that with Greg Newsom. Those are definitely the two corners trending at 26 who provide, uh, you know, the ability to impact right away but also have, have kind of jumped – don't have the back injury that's there with, you know, Caleb Farley and then, and then J.C. Horn's moved up the board. And, and I, just, I just feel like Asante and Greg Newsom are kind of the meeting ground there of, of players that have proven tape. They tested well. I think Melifonwu has a chance, but there's some production stuff there, some things that can give you a cause for concern. So uh, it, a little bit of see it when I be, – or, you know, believe it when I see it sort of thing there. Talk to me about Joe Tryon. He's your next guy. Yeah, I love Joe Tron. I don't know if you've had a chance to to really dive into him, but um, obviously an opt-out this past season. So he's been out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Uh, Cleveland has has made it very obvious that they want to get another edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett. Um, you know, Olivier Vernon is is very likely gone. Tack McKinley is a good signing for for what they gave up to get him. I think it's a very cheap good signing because of the potential that he has, especially if he continues wearing the suit and tie uh, like we saw in his introduction video. But Joe Tryon is, is a guy that has a tremendous motor. He's going to give everything he's got on every single play. He plays with great strength. Um, so there, you know, alone, you're, I, I'm being told that he's got a high floor. Now where I'm prom, where, you know, I'm encouraged is I think he's also got a high ceiling because He's got really fast, active hands, but I don't think he uses them as efficiently as he probably could. Um, you know, and that's where you you get a guy like Chris Kiffin that's going to be able to come in, work with him a little bit, um, and really help polish his game. And I think 
once you're able to do that, the sky is the limit for him opposite of Miles Garrett. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm with it. I think he's an opt-out, was turning in the right direction. Uh, Definitely was set up to have a really nice season last year before the opt-out. was ready to take the next step. You're banking on people uh, talking about him. You're banking on athletic profile tape that showed a guy who could create disturbances in the backfield with a multitude of different ways to do it. Just like you said, Josh, needs to be a little bit more consistent, but the tools are there. We'll see. And, And listen, all of these guys are affected differently that opted out. If you missed a complete year of football, it's the testing numbers can get weird sometimes for some of these guys. And you ultimately don't know what type of guy you're getting until you really get them in your building until you talk with them, see what they look like, you know, cause it's a, it's an entire year of football. You don't know if a guy has really even progressed in terms of his skill set, techni- technical side of things. There's a lot of stuff going on there. That's, that's a part of the bigger guessing game this year than any other year is, is, is the, the guys, so many guys taking a year off of football, it's a big deal. So let, let, let's talk about the, one of the most debated players in terms of difference between production, and there are a lot of people who trust the numbers, and that's fine. I think they're a big part of things. If data tells you this has never happened before and you're banking on an outlier, that becomes tough, right? Um, it, it, it's a challenge with, with OA here to, uh, to, to, to look at a guy who didn't have any sacks the past year but tested like an absolute freak. And where is the middle ground? Is there a moldable player in there who can eventually become a Daniel Hunter? Because what we're talking about is Daniel Hunter was what a third or fourth round pick might've been a fourth round pick. So that's a little different than taking a guy at 26, right? Josh, so if they're going to take him at 26, Oh, what, what, what's the selling point that you really are convinced that he's worth that high of a pick? Yeah. Daniel Hunter is a, is a really good comparison too. Um, you know, back to your point about the opt-outs, they all have to be, you know, evaluated a little bit differently. We we don't know where they are in their development at this point. I mean, Gregory Rousseau, I thought was, you know, going to pop onto the scene at his pro day and just blow everybody away, but that simply wasn't the case. You know, he had a great 40 time, but the other stuff that you look for just simply wasn't there. So, you, you know, w- without seeing him play on the field this past year, and the way that he tested, you're going to have to drop him down at least a little bit, I think. And, you know, back to what you said to begin the podcast, all of these guys that you're projecting at this part of the first round have their red flags. Um, you even mentioned production, which is exactly the case with Jason Owe. Um, if he had the production, we're talking about a guy that's going to be taken in the top 15, maybe even the top 10, because his athletic profile is 
very rare. Um, you know, and, and the production isn't there, but you do see him in the backfield quite a bit. He's just not getting there um, to register the sack. So there is a little bit of a concern. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a concern with anybody that you take at number 26. I mean, you talk about the article that Jared put out um, earlier today on the OBR about the success and recent history of pick number 26. It's not filled with, you know, pro bowl studs. So uh, you're taking a little bit of a risk at the back end of the first round, but I think Jason Oway has all of the traits to be, you know, a potential Daniil Hunter caliber player. Um, you know, and then again, I have a lot of faith in Chris Kiffin. I believe that Miles Garrett is a guy that is going to take any potential young edge rusher under his wing and help show him the ropes, you know, show him some of the techniques, techniques that have made him successful and the day-to-day routines that, you know, really, cement himself as a true professional and a guy that produces year in and year out when he's on the field. So that's for me, what's most intriguing about Jason Oway, because, um, you know, the floor is obviously going to be a little bit lower than some other players, but the ceiling is so, so high. Um, you know, and if he's going to hit, you're going to hit really big. He's fascinating to me because there are, like you said, moments where, he creates some disturbance in the backfield with the balls out. And some of that, you know, we talk about, I'd rather far rather have a guy who's a consistent pressure creator than a guy who gives you sack numbers because sacks are such a random stat. There are so many things that have to go right on so many sacks. And I think Brandon Thorne has done a really great job of looking at the discrepancy between sacks that not all sacks are created equal. Uh, He does a great job with his podcast, which is also on the blue wire network trench warfare. He does a, a, a newsletter as well, so you should follow along and check that out. But he made note of how many were high quality, medium quality, low quality. And it's like there are some guys like Trey Hendrickson who just can, you know, you fall into some sacks at the right time and it's a free agency situation. They make good money. The same with some players in this draft. Like you talked about Gregory Rousseau. I've never seen a film quite like his Florida State film in 2019 where he just happened to be at the right place at the right time to quarterbacks are sacking themselves. So there's some of that that goes on. I, I will always trend toward a guy who creates pressure consistently than a guy who just lands seven or eight sacks, but the, the, the number of percentage of pressures doesn't equal out to somebody else because I think pressure is the biggest disturbance that can be made and a sack is the result of consistent pressure. So um, can Oway be a consistent pressure guy? I think there's th- some things to be seen there. A role player, it comes down to whether the Browns think they have the A, the time to coach him up in his first four years and then into his, his fifth year. And then B, do they look at the film and say this guy was was creating pressure, but he was just missing it by a momentary lapse or a, a guy getting the football out, certain things like that. There's a lot of things they'll weigh. I don't know how driven they'll be by like, you know, the production number doesn't equal out to this. And this is the projection for a player who has five sacks in a two-year span. There's some of that stuff that can go on with analytics profiles. So he's he's fascinating. I, I think there's some things to really like about Oway. I think there's obviously, like you said, Josh, legitimate concerns as well. Uh, so, you, you know, when we, if we end up seeing Cleveland take him, we'll break down all of that in depth, but for now it's a really good talking point. The guys I want to talk about though, are these Kentucky prospects. So I put together a little bit of a montage of some Jamin Davis clips. Talk to me about why, why, listen, we've had this conversation in DMs, Josh. I don't think they're going to take a linebacker. I just don't. I just, based on how they value the position based on how they've, they've paid players from there, let players walk. I just don't think they're going to do it, but I would not be bothered in the slightest if they take Davis 
or if they end up with somebody like Zayvon Collins. So, like, tell me what you like about Davis, what he does well. We know he's a great athlete, but his tape, what catches your eye? You've probably talked to the player specifically. Just kind of give me your overall feel for him and why he would fit and, and be a nice player for Cleveland. Yeah, admittedly, I was a little bit slower to get around on him, too. I mean, you know, I, I focused on him in the Georgia game, and I said, you know, this guy, he's, he's, he's a good player. Like, he's going to be drafted, but I don't see this sudden hype that everyone is discussing, you know, a potential second-round pick at the time, and it's only elevated from there. Um, you know, when I reached out to somebody in the program, they basically said, you know, I understand if you watch the Georgia game how you could come away thinking that, but just do yourself a favor and watch the Florida game and specifically the second play of that Florida game, which I think you showed at the beginning of this clip where he covers the the running back out of the backfield and his stride for stride with him. Um, the way that Josh Allen was, you know, a couple of years ago coming out of Kentucky and eventually went to the Jaguars. Um, so in today's NFL where you're seeing a lot more, um, you know, pass happy offenses and linebackers needing to be in coverage and getting good depth, um, you know, Jamin Davis offers that he's got that athleticism where he can, he can fill gaps. He can drop into coverage. Uh, you see the burst that he, he gets off blocks and is able to chase down, um, the ball carrier. You see everything from an athletic standpoint. And I think it's only going to increase because this is a first year starter that has grown smarter and smarter every year that he's been within the program. Um, I was told that he's missed one meeting in his time at Kentucky, and he missed that meeting because he missed the text at the time had changed for that meeting. So you're talking about a, an accountable guy, a guy that's um, well-coached. He loves the game of football. He's very coachable. I mean, everything that you look for in the position, and then you add in the fact that he's got all of these athletic traits, um, I can see why he's he's very intriguing for a lot of teams. Um, you know, when it, at, at his pro day, uh, his family was scheduled to come in town for Easter weekend, and he asked that his his mother wait until after his pro day to come down because he wanted all focus to be on pro day. He didn't want to have to worry about hosting and you know all of the stuff that comes with that. He wanted to go out there. And, um, you know, knock it out of the park, which he absolutely did. I mean, he touched the top of the vertex before they eventually moved the entire base up, which they typically don't have to do until uh, the wide receivers and the cornerbacks come to the board. So um, I thought it was very impressive what he did at his, at his combine. And, um, you know, the way that he handled himself is even a little different than, than another guy we'll probably talk about here shortly. Yeah, he's he's fascinating to me, not only because of the athletic stuff, but you, you mentioned it, Josh, really, really well here is is the ability to run with people in space. And I think that that is the type of linebacker the Browns would probably be the most interested in. I like Zayvon Collins. I think he's a, he's a, he's he's better than he's being given credit for, uh, especially just because he's 260 pounds and I think he moves well. He carries that weight well. But the type of player the Browns are looking for, a linebacker can cover can run with athletes in space because that's what you have to do to beat Buffalo. You have to do to beat Kansas city. You have to do to beat Baltimore. You have to run in open space and be able to break down and make plays. And I think he can do that. So listen, I, I, again, I'm not sure that they're going to do this sort of linebacker at the first two picks, but if they do, I think Davis makes a ton of sense. And I think it's a guy that we can go really in depth on at a later date. But for now, I think we kind of touched the surface of what his potential is giving us some good insights. There are two other guys that I think are interesting. I'd like to hear your thoughts on before we go, Josh, uh, Kelvin Joseph, the corner, who's kind of 
he's not a pro football focus darling. You know, I think pro football focus does some things well. I'm not sure they're great with coverage all the time. I think there's some things that can get missed there every now and again, but uh, he has been a guy that he I mean, obviously tested really well and, and has been talked about from the guys who do this for a living, stunning prospects coming up with the, the, the information, big boards, all of that stuff full time as a guy that could even rise. There were rumblings about first round with him. So I'm interested on, on him because the Browns maybe at 59, maybe at 89, 91 are going to be looking at another corner, whether they take one early or not. And then Drake Jackson, the, the interior offensive lineman who might be a day late day two, day three guy that the Browns could be interested in because as I've talked about, they are going to definitely need to uh, uh, look at the future here. Wyatt Teller is going to have a big deal. Maybe they sign him. Maybe they don't. They got to start looking at down the line replacements for Joe Batonio. And and uh, obviously, J.C. Treader is not getting any younger either. So there's some guys of interest. I want to get your feel on Drake as well. Yeah, Kelvin has first-round ability. I mean, I, I feel very strongly in that. Um, you know, his play against Alabama, there's one where he's he's in zone um, and Devontae Smith comes up the boundary and Calvin just picks him up seamlessly, runs step for step for him, uh, continues using his body, staying in phase, turns around, locates the football and picks it off. I mean, that's the kind of play we hadn't seen against Devontae Smith most of the year. Uh, so, I mean, right there, you see some of the potential that he brings to the field. Um, the question marks are, you know, everything that comes with him, his, his interests, you know, off the field. When I was talking about um, Jamin Davis and the representation he had at his pro day. Um, Kelvin Joseph had a, had a much larger contingent of people there. And, um, you know, it seemed like he was using it as a branding thing and just one, one AFC uh, personnel guy that was there just, you know, it, it kind of rubbed him the wrong way when you hear the story about Jamin and then you see uh, everything that came with Kelvin at his pro day. So, you know, he's got first round ability. I've, a few people have, have told me that in the league, but you know, where he ends up going is going to be determined by how coachable he's going to be, how receptive he seems to be in these interviews with teams, um, stuff like that. So Daniel Jeremiah had him in his first round today. So it's a very wide range of projections for him. Uh, and I think you kind of understand why now anywhere from, you know, the first round, I'd be surprised if he was still there uh, late third round, but that's that's the reason that you're seeing such large and wide projections for Calvin Joseph. Um, Drake Jackson is a guy that I have grown. I mean, I was there when he committed to Kentucky out of high school, um, so I've been you know step step for step with him every you know every every step of the way. Uh, he's a very technically sound center. He's a guy that plays with a really strong base, a little bit undersized, but uh, very coachable. Loves the game of football. I mean, he his dad was a fullback at, at uh, Purdue, um, you know, and he he moves very well. So when you're talking about the wide zone scheme, Drake Jackson is a guy that, you know, could potentially step in for J.C. Treader down the road if, if Nick Harris isn't the long-term guy moving forward. Um, but he's a guy that is going to come in right away with a professional attitude and go to work uh, regardless of what scenario he's put into. Let me ask you this. Is there any, is there anybody else sort of uh, maybe hidden on the Kentucky roster sneaking in? Maybe a guy who didn't get a lot of buzz during pro day that the Browns fans should be uh, just knowing their name. Anybody like that before we, before we part here? 
Yeah, so offensive tackle Landon Young um, was a guy that had an ACL injury a couple years ago. Last year, he didn't have the explosiveness that I had seen from him in the past, um, or in 2019, rather. And then in 2020, I started to see more of what he had been before the injury. So, you know, in the case of um, the Washington offensive tackle from a couple of years ago, I'm blanking on him. He he had the ACL injury and lost, you know, most of his explosiveness and, and dropped down the boards. Um, you know, Young has been able to bounce back. So when you're talking about possible options late round, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round uh, as a possible swing tackle now that Kendall Lamb has moved on, you know, Landon Young is a guy that might be on Cleveland's radar. Um, he, The Saints and the Jaguars were very closely working with him at his pro day. Um, so I'm sure there's a ton of teams that are interested in him as, as a guy that has really good you know, measurables. He's got a good size profile, all of that kind of stuff. Um, he needs to work in his pass protection a little bit because Kentucky was a predominantly run team this, these past couple of years. Uh, Brandon Eccles is kind of an undersized cornerback, really feisty, uh, but tested off the charts. I mean, he had a 42 and a half inch vertical jump. So he actually out jumped Jamin Davis and then he jumped 11 foot four in the broad jump. Um, and I think he ran a sub four, four forty as well. So, uh, really fantastic numbers from him, uh, a guy that could potentially come in and, you know, work the work the field, work the boundary, just give you good depth in that room. Uh, defensive tackle Quentin Bohanna is more of a nose guy. I, I don't know that he's going to be drafted. I would have said that he probably would have been drafted this time last year, uh, but I don't know that that's, that's going to be the case that this this year. So um, those would be the guys I'm, I'm probably most keyed in on in terms of where they land. And then the punter, Max Duffy, as well. But uh, I, th I think Cleveland's probably going to stick with Jamie Gillen for a little while, so probably not in the punter market as, as we approach the draft. Listen, they better start. Jamie better punt it better or they're going to be at the end of next year. So anyway, Josh, this is great, man. I appreciate your time. Um, obviously, you guys, he's at EdwardCBS on Twitter. You need to make sure you are following him. If you are not, please rectify that again, Josh. I appreciate you, man. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on anytime. Okay, that was uh, that was great stuff from Josh. Really appreciate him. Appreciate everybody uh, paying and uh, you know tuning in here. You will obviously always get the audio version of this. You can listen to. I think I put this as maybe not a public YouTube visit, so I'm sorry if I did that. For those of you that like to fire questions and have comments in here, might have messed that up. Sorry, do do this a little quickly because we had our OBR weekly show on before this. So um, if I maybe I did it right though, I don't know. I'm seeing a couple comments pop up. Anyway, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a great review. We always appreciate that. And fire questions away during this stuff. If you had questions for Josh, we could have given them to him. Uh, you know, he's got so much insight. Nobody even had any questions either way. No, no big deal. Make sure you check this out. We'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna have uh, Matt Waldman check out. Uh, uh, give us some insight on. Some of his people at 26, he's paying attention to. Some of his sleepers always like his insights. And then we'll do our mock draft at the end of the week. Again, thanks to Josh for joining us. Appreciate all of you for following along, checking this out. And as usual, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.